This is HPR episode 2129 entitled GNU Orc Part 2. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 27 minutes long. The summary is, we examine how Orc works, records and fields, printing and program files. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello everybody, this is Dave Morris and this is a show about GNU Orc and it's show number two. So this is the second episode of what we're hoping is going to be a series that B. Yeezy and I are doing and um, we're, we're trying to go into a moderate amount of depth looking at the Orc language and we're really concentrating on the GNU variant which is called Gork. And as you, if you listen to episode one, you'll be aware that it's a comprehensive interpreted scripting language designed to be used for manipulating text. Now, it hasn't been mentioned before, I think, or has it? I can't remember. But anyway, I thought I'd reiterate the fact that the name, Orc, comes from the names of the authors, Alfred Aho, Peter Weinberger and Brian Kernigan. I always like to speculate that if they put their names in a different order, it would be called whack or a core or something anyway orc is what it is the original version was written in 1997 at the at&t bell laboratories and if you look at the gnu org users guide which i've linked in the notes then you can get a full history of these these languages they have changed a fair bit over the the years more by enhancement than anything else. Now, you'll often see the name of the language written in capitals, A-W-K, but the command that you use to invoke it is lowercase orc or gork. So I am going to use the lowercase version throughout the the notes when referring to the the command. And um, when uh, referring to the the language, I'll probably capitalise it, the first letter anyway. But nowadays, on most Linux distributions, I'm not sure about others, BSD and so forth, Orc and Gork are synonymous, and uh, the, the, the underlying programme is the GNU version. Personally, I first encountered Orc in the late 1980s, when I was working on a digital equipment corporation, DEC, Vax Cluster, running OpenVMS. This was a popular operating system for um, uh, sort of smallish mainframe systems in the day. And uh, I worked for a university where we had a VAX cluster. The operating system was very clever and very nice, but it didn't have any good ways of manipulating text actually built into it. You could write programs to do it, obviously, but that was pretty laborious. You could write 
write compiler programs in things like Fortran or Pascal or even C. Oh, C didn't come on, come along till a bit later on in my experience. I needed to manipulate text quite a bit and uh, was very happy when I discovered that there was a thing called Gawk which was available on OpenVMS. It had been ported from the Unix version, obviously, and uh, I installed it on the, the VAX cluster and this made life far, far easier for the, the stuff I had to do. That and SED, which came along at the same time, I think I might have mentioned this in the SED series, really changed what I could do working on this uh, this system. So I thought I'd recap what was covered in the last episode, and um, uh, Be Easy did, did a summary of how you invoke ORC. You type AWK on the command line, followed by options, followed by a program and then a series of uh, input files that you want to process. So obviously AWK awk is the command. The options are uh, quite num- quite numerous in, on uh, GNU awk, and the minus capital F was introduced last episode, which was the, um, the, the field separator. Program is normally written in single quotes, but uh, it could be in double quotes, but you have to be very careful if you do that, because you will get um, your shell, which I assume is going to be bash, will attempt to in- interpolate stuff if it sees dollar signs so that you can get yourself in a hell of a tangle. The program can actually be preceded by a minus E option, like said. I think these, these grew up at approximately the same time, so they tended to, to use the same general ideas. And that makes it clear that the program follows in, in instances where it might be ambiguous. You can put several minus E programs into the command line um, to make a sort of composite thing. The list of input files uh, can be as many as you as you want. Um, if you use as a as a file name just a single hyphen, then awk will read from standard input. So you can you can use that if you're using awk in a, in a pipeline. So let's just summarize what awk actually does. It views its input data as a series of records, and these are usually new line delimited lines, as you'd expect. But it's important to, to mention this because you can change this. Each record is regarded as containing a series of fields, and a field is a component of the record delimited by a field separator. So we looked at f- field separators in the last episode, and the, f- the f- default one is a what is usually referred to is is a white space sequence, so that's spaces, tabs, and new lines. Well, you can also specify it explicitly by, as was shown last time, a minus capital F, and then a comma, just a, a bare comma, to mean I want to use a comma as a delimiter, or you can enclose the, the comma in quotes. One of the features of ORC is that uh, if you, you're using a space or white space in general as a separator then it treats multiple instances of that separator as one in the in file1.txt in the last episode there were multiple spaces between the fields of the of the file yet those multiple spaces were treated as one separator and the fields were were picked out from that but if you use an alternative separator then you don't get the same behavior so if the field separator was a comma and you gave the program a piece of text that consisted of a letter A, comma, comma, B, 
then it would find three fields. The first field would be A, the second field would be blank, and the third field would be B. So the two commas aren't treated as one, and you, you, it actually treats that example as a three-field record. Again, in the last episode, we saw that an ORC program consists of a series of rules, where each rule consists of a pattern, followed by, in curly brackets, an action. It's normal to write each rule on a new line in the program. So this isn't mandatory. And there are, program, there are other program components than the, these types of rules, pattern, action, rules. But uh, these will be dealt with later on in the series. So in a rule, the pattern part is used to identify a line in some way, as you've already seen. And the action bit in curly brackets defines what will be done to the line which has been matched by the pattern. So patterns can be simple comparisons, regular expressions or combinations of the two. And there's a whole bunch of other things that can be used which we'll be covering as we go through the series. You can omit the pattern altogether, in which case it means that the action is to be applied to every record. You can also have a, a, a rule which just consists of a pattern, in which case the action is taken to be print, just print the whole record. So it says in the documentation it's, it's taken as if the action is open curly bracket, print, close curly bracket, which means print the record. It's the same as print dollar zero, as you, you saw in the last episode. So walk programs are essentially data-driven in that the things that they do depend on the data. So they're quite a bit different from the way you write programs in other languages. So what I wanted to do in this episode was to expand on some of the things that were covered in episode one, and um, I thought I'd talk about a bit more about um, the field and record idea. We already know that as a record is divided into fields, split into fields, they're stored as numbered entities. These are available by using a dollar sign followed by a number. So dollar one refers to field one, dollar two, field two, and so on. Dollar zero is the entire record in an unsplit state. So the number after a dollar sign is actually an expression, and we'll be talking more about expressions as we go along. But it's it's um, dollar dollar one or dollar two is not a variable in itself. It's a dollar followed by a numeric expression. So dollar two and dollar open parenthesis one plus one close parenthesis means the same thing. An expression in this particular case, that's a piece of, it's an arithmetic expression, it needs to be in parentheses. But um, there'll be other things that could be used in this context. And that's quite a useful feature of ORC and is an important one to remember. Now, within an ORC program, within the action part, in fact, within the entire rule, there's a special variable called NF, capital N, capital F. And it's it's a programming language, remember, and so you will have variables in it, which we'll talk about in more detail as we go along. But this one in particular is, is useful and important. And this is used by ORC to store the number of fields it's found in the current record. So you can print the value of this out if you want to, or you can use it in tests. Now, I've given an example here which uses file1.txt that was used in episode 1, and the the files that we um, 
that were not included in episode one have been added to this episode, just for your convenience. So my example consists of orc, space, open quote, curly bracket, open curly bracket, print, dollar zero, space, double quotes, space, open parenthesis, double quotes, space, NF, that's that variable capital N, capital F, space, open double quotes, close parenthesis, double quotes again, space, close curly bracket, single quote. So just to reiterate on that, because it's it's just a list of characters, we're printing the, the contents of dollar zero, dollar zero being the whole record. Then we're following that with a string which con- contains a space and an open parenthesis. We're following that with the variable NF, capital NF. We're following that with another string that contains a closed parenthesis, and that is the entire action. And there's no pattern, so it's being done to every line. And we're applying this to file1.txt, and I just followed this with a, a vertical bar head minus 3, so what that'll do is it'll it'll work on the file, but it will only print the first three lines just for, for uh, brevity in these notes. So you'll gather from this that the print command, which we saw, or print statement, I think is more of an accurate name, um, it takes a series of arguments and it simply concatenates them all and prints them out with a new line at the end. So what I've contrived to do here is to tell Orc to print out the contents of the field, the, the record, I should say, followed by... Um, a space, an open parenthesis, the contents of NF, and a closed parenthesis, which, since every field, every record in this file consists of three fields, will always be a three. But you could use the same on a different um, file, and you might have different numbers of fields per per record. So it might be might be useful. I've certainly used this myself because uh, sometimes you're trying to deal with a file and you don't know how many fields there are in it or you want to know what the maximum number of fields is in the the longest record or something of that sort. So as well as counting fields per record, ORC also counts input records as it goes along. The record number is held in another variable, NR, capital N, capital R, and obviously this stands for number number of fields or, uh, or number of records in the two instances. And this can be used in the same way as we've seen for NF. So if we wanted to print the record number before each line, we could write orc space quote open curly bracket print nr space double quote colon space double quote space dollar zero close curly bracket close quote file one dot txt. And in this case, I've just printed the whole thing. It's it's only ten lines long. Um, so what I've done, what I've asked for here is the for on every line, there's no pattern in this particular program. So on every line, the action is to be print the record number, followed by a colon, followed by a space, followed by the contents of the, the record. And as you see, you get um, numbered records coming out the other end. And just to say that um, when I'm writing these things out, I like to put spaces in between the components of print. 
I think you can get away without doing that, in fact. You could, I think, concatenate them all together. I didn't try this. I've just got into the habit of always doing it, doing it with, with spaces in between them because I find it makes it much more readable. But um, I think uh, it's Orcus not that, that bothered. So we've been using this print statement in order to output stuff as we're processing a file. It's a little bit awkward, I would think, to use it to put out a mixture of fixed bits of text and variable. There is no interpolation of variables into strings as you can do in, in other scripting languages like, for example, bash. So there's also a, a statement called printf. So it's, it's, um, it stands for print formatted. It's similar to printf, which you find in the C language and also in the bash scripting language. It takes a format argument its first argument and then it's followed by a comma separated list of items which um, are to be processed by the printf statement so the example is printf space format comma item one comma item two and then so on as, as you wish you can if you wish put brackets parentheses around the argument list so it could be printf open parenthesis format comma item one comma item two etc close parenthesis you can do that if you want to if you find that more readable but um orc doesn't mind it can be with or without the format argument or more generically called a format string defines how each of the arguments is to be output and to do that it uses format specifiers and these are sequences of characters which have a special meaning and, and they, they begin with a percent sign and are followed by a letter. There's a little bit more to it than this but we'll, we'll deal with that we'll deal with it in more detail later on. So examples are percent %s which means at this point as you're writing stuff out output a string string of any arbitrary length. And yet another example is percent %d, lowercase d, and it was lowercase s as well. And that's for outputting an, a decimal number. So I've given an example where there's a printf statement which outputs the record followed by a parenthesized number of fields. So it's just like the one using print, but it's just going at it in a different way. So to do that, you would use printf, and I'm not using the parenthesized form, space, open qu double quotes, percent %s, space, open parenthesis, percent %d, close parenthesis, backslash n. Then there's another double quote, comma, dollar zero, comma, nf. So what that's doing is it's using the format string, percent %s, and then in parentheses, percent %d. And the percent %s means output $0 as a string of arbitrary length, and follow that with a space, and then in parentheses, the number which is in the, the, the variable nf. Follow that, the backslash n is a new line. We saw that in the said series, if you, if you followed that. It's necessary because printf does not generate a new line, unlike the print statement. It doesn't gen generate a new line at the end of what it does by default. You have to ex be explicit about it. And uh, the backslash n represents that new line. Now there are other format specifiers and there are more features of printf but we'll describe them um, in later parts of the series. Now let's look at awk programs in a more, more detailed way. What we've seen so far is programs which are written on the command line. They've been pretty simple. 
consisting of just the one rule in, in all, all cases so far. When an ORC program starts to get more complicated, it's usually a good idea to put them in a file. So there is an option minus lowercase f followed by a file name, and what that does is to tell ORC that it's to get its program from um, the named file. Now I've included a file called example1.awk and it's uh, it's included with this episode and it just consists of two rules which I've uh, included in the notes here. So the first rule it's a, a regular expression rule so it's a slash uh, circumflex lowercase a slash space. I like to put spaces after the regular expression just because it makes it more readable. You don't have to in fact. Then in um, curly brackets You've got print space double quote capital A colon space double quote space dollar zero close curly bracket. That's the first rule. And it's just saying uh, the when you find a, a record that begins with the lowercase a, print it out with the letter a in front of it, a colon space in front of it. There's a similar rule. The second rule is a similar one, and it's using b. So the regular expression uses a lowercase b, and it prints out the capital letter b followed by the record. So if you ran this on file1.txt, you would do it by typing on the command line awk awk space hyphen f space example1.awk, remembering that's the uh, program file, follow that with the space file1.txt. What you'd get back would be three lines, and the line which contains the first line that contains apple will be printed out with an A on the front of it, and the one line that contains begins with banana will be printed out with a B on the front of it, and then the second line starting apple will be printed out with an A on the front of that. It's not spectacularly useful, but it, it makes the point. Is the convention to give Orc program files the extension .awk and that makes it clear what it is and um, the fact that it holds an Orc program. This is is not mandatory but it gives a useful clue to things like file managers. If you click on something in a in a file manager, it will it will execute it with Orc, for example. Or if you're running it through an editor, you're editing it with an editor and the sort of editor like Vim, for example, or Emacs, which um, does syntax highlighting, it would use that as a clue to, to highlight the uh, the syntax using awk syntax analysis. There's another way of doing this, though, um, and as you'll have seen from if you followed the said series and other series uh, um, about scripting on HPR, an awk program file can be made into a script by putting a first line at the at the top which begins with a hash mark and an exclamation mark. Hash bang or crunch bang as people call it. And you also need to make the file executable. So I've included a, f- a file called example2.awk. It's been included and I've listed it out in the in the notes as well. So this one consists of the first line is a hash mark, exclamation mark, then the path to the ORC program, which on system I was running it on, probably the one that you'll be running it on, is slash USR slash bin slash AWK. Then follow that with a space and a minus lowercase f. You need the minus f because that tells the ORC program that it's 
its actual program that it's to execute follows in the same file. Then lines 2, 3 and 4, the, the listing in the, in the notes uh, is numbered so should be easy to follow. 2, 3 and 4 are a comment. Comments begin with a hash mark in the first uh, character position. In fact, anywhere on the line it can be a hash mark and the rest of the line is ignored. And then the actual program is on line 5. It's just a simple one, one-liner, just for, as an example. And this one consists of a pattern which uh, is using the nr variable. So we've got the expression nr and a greater than sign 1. So it's saying do this for all records which have a number greater than 1. And then the program is in curly brackets. And I, I tend to write a space after the open and close uh, after the open bracket and before the closed curly bracket just for because I like things to look neater but you don't have to anyway the program is printf space double quotes percent lowercase d colon space percent s backslash n double quotes comma nr comma dollar zero so what that is doing is it's printing the each line each line that has a number greater than one, which is awk counting the, the line numbers as it as it reads lines from the input file, and it will print the nr value, which will be the, the line number, and a colon, a space, and then the contents of the line. What this means is that line one doesn't get printed. Now, for this to work, you need to make the file executable, and you do that with the command chmod, chmod, space, lowercase u plus lowercase x, that means um, make it executable for me, space, and then the name of the file, example2.org. Then it can be invoked in the way that you normally invoke executable scripts and so forth that are in the current directory, dot slash example2.awk space, and then the name of the file you want to run it on, file1.txt and what you see and it's listed in the notes is each line of the, the file um, with a line number just printed out but you don't see line one so i put a little summary at the end of this episode i uh, don't know if it's useful but uh, sometimes it can be handy just to review what you've what you've covered and so we've we've uh, we've covered a bunch of new topics we've looked at records and fields the difference between spaces as field separators and other separators and the way that um, an awk program is made up of rules and referring to fields by a dollar sign and a numeric expression we've looked at the variables nf and nr which hold the number of fields and number of records and we have looked at print and compare that with printf statement. We've looked at awk program files and the minus f option on the command line and we've also looked at executable awk scripts. We've covered quite a lot actually in a, in a fairly um, quick and uh, cursory way but we'll be drilling down into these, these concepts a little bit more as the time goes on with this series. Anyway, that's all we're doing. There's um, a bunch of references at the end, links to various uh, 
websites like the GNU Walk User's Guide and the Wikipedia article and so on and so forth. There's not much point in me reading them all out. I've made a link back to the previous episode in case you, uh, you want to refer to it and listed out the resources that we've used in this particular episode just to make it easier to go and download them if that's what you'd like to do. Okay, I hope you found that useful and uh, thanks for listening. Okay, bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.